Hey, I know. I'll use my trusty frying pan as a drying pan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 95 of Out of the Drying Pan, a Pokemon This Series podcast. Each week, we discuss two episodes in the Pokemon anime, and just wherever else happens to pop into our minds. Just a quick reminder, we are an E for Explicit Podcast, so listener discretion is advised. And I'm your host, Jacob, and I'm here with my co-host, Austin. Hello. Were we all alive in 95? You mean like born? Yeah, like 1995. I was born. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just I don't I can never remember how fucking you old you you are, Jacob. Just me, Alex. You got you got you got her figured out. Yeah, because she's a year behind me. I'm okay. older than you are, so <laughs> if I must have been, if you were alive, I must have been, or was I? Yep. I'm here with these two blue hairs here, Austin, and another co-host oh my is God. Uh, <laughs> Alex. How you doing, hey. Alex? <laughs> hey, good. I'm glad you're back and and fucking up the intro and not me. <laughs> what we do best here that's just that's just what we do all right alex how's your week how you doing i've been in a who's line mood and so improvisational comedy that's what we're trying to do here on this podcast right so that's been fun i love who's line which one which uh, version you watching the british the american the american version all right favorite cast member oh my gosh that's really difficult i think colin is my favorite Colin is really good. <laughs> he's pretty freaking good. Colin, uh, Wayne, he's really, you know, I'm just impressed with the level of, like, the song talent and everything. Like, they're all good in their own way, but I'm like, dang, they can just make this stuff up off the top of their heads? What is your favorite skit thing that they do? Um, oh my gosh, they're all so good. I like film, TV, and song styles, I think it's called. Props is good. Scenes from a hat. Those are all good. Yes. I have a least favorite. Which is what? Is what? It? When they do the three-headed song. Oh, the three-headed Broadway uh, star. I hate that one. Oh, it's funny. Oh. Ugh. I don't like Hoedown. That, that's not my favorite game. Oh, yeah, the two. Sometimes I skip the song one. I mean, I know Wayne and Brad and Chip. They're, like, really good singers. And it's sometimes it's really funny. But sometimes I do skip, like, the duet or, like, the song ones where Wayne will sing to the person I like the improv ones better. Yeah, props is definitely my favorite one. Uh, and then I like that one. And then I like the the dialogue one that's like stuff you can say to your wife, but not your plumber. Or stuff you can say to your plumber, but not your wife. Or things you can say both to your plumber and your wife. Like <laughs> that's that. probably scenes from a hat. Yeah, that might be that one. Oh, it's so good. So good. But... I was talking with Austin about this because watching a show from the 2000, like 2000 is when this was taped, way different than what you could expect to find on TV now. Some of the stuff that they say on there, I'm like, holy shit. All right. All right. So whose line is it anyway? That's it for you, Alex? You ready for Austin? (laughs) Yes. All right. Okay. I have discovered another horror show. It's an iconic franchise property that we all know. Can you guess what it is? Uh, Who's Afraid of the Dark? Wait. No. You can't have discovered it if it's something we all know already. Well, I have discovered it for myself. Rediscovered it. It's a horror show, TV show. Yes. Yeah. American Horror Story. No, it's Scooby-Doo. Oh, that's a horror. Oh, I was thinking like scary. Yeah, I've watched Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. Some crazy ass shit, you guys. Let me tell you. 
Is it the new one? Is that the new one? No, it's like 10 years old. What's the Scooby-Doo franchise timeline? Oh my god. We went over this yesterday. This is too yes, much. Yes, we did. Oh, y'all did? <laughs> it's a lot. Scooby-Doo, where are you? <laughs> oh, yep. we're going to go through them all. Okay, no, we're not. There's 30 movies, over 30 movies. Well, then there's like videos, but there's like all kinds of specials and, and spinoffs and the undertaker and elvira and <laughs> like great. the three stooges yeah and there and what else was there austin there was so oh john cena was in one of them multiple batman crossovers oh yeah mm-hmm. courage the cowardly dog that's right i forgot about that one that was yeah that was one of them well we all know that scooby-doo and the witch's ghost is the best movie you just like the hex girls i do like the hex girls it started a whole era and, and fashion inspiration for me so you know you know what i want i want redemption for scrappy doo uh, everyone yeah. shits all over scrappy doo and i'm like they can reinvent him they can make they can bring him back to the public consciousness if they try we can rebuild him stronger better <laughs> <laughs> i kind of sort of agree in the sense of like whatever they did to him in the live action movie was just awful and like you never see him again after that was that the last time we ever saw him in any media? I think so. I, think so. I thought he died in that. I watched Mystery Incorporated, but other than that, I'm not a Scooby-Doo lore expert. I can't think of... I think I thought he died in that, the end of it. Did he? He died? Yeah, I thought like he gets drugged to hell or something because he summoned all those demons. I did not like those movies, those live action movies. The kid. No, they were all right. Let's see what happens. Does it say his fate? I don't know. I just feel like... The joke's gotten old, like, everyone shits some scrap you do, and I start to feel bad for him after a while. I know he's a fictional dog, <laughs> but still. But he's not doing anything wrong. He just admires, like, Scooby. That's just his thing, you know, and he wants to be overly involved because he wants to help out as much as possible. Yeah, I didn't I didn't hate Scrappy as a kid. I don't know if I found him entertaining, but I was like, you know, he's Yeah. It's interesting that there's this other character here. At best that was apathetic. Yeah, I think he helped him solve some mysteries too. I think he's the reason why they actually catch some of the, the culprits. So I think the live action movie is what made me hate Scrappy, and according to this Wikipedia tidbit here, James Gunn possibly is the reason why he's the villain, because they needed a villain. It says they did not feel comfortable simply giving the role to an anonymous monster. So they ultimately made Scrappy the villain. Despite previously stating he felt kids didn't care, he later admitted that younger viewers had reacted poorly and didn't realize how popular Scrappy was with five and six-year-olds. Wait, five and six-year-olds were watching this movie? That's not good. That movie was, like, sexual. It was, like, by Scooby-Doo standards, it was kind of oh, racist. It was, it was racist. I thought the idea was that was supposed to be, like, the kids who grew up watching Scooby-Doo yeah. saw it. Like, okay, I'm, I'm, I thought it was, like, supposed to be that thing they were going for. I don't know, but I remember... Well, I told you this yesterday, Austin, but I remember watching the Scooby-Doo live-action movie and feeling uncomfortable, like, watching it with, like, a parent. And it's, like, the undertones. It was like, ooh, this makes me feel, like, uncomfortable. Especially when they switch bodies. Yeah, for us, like, feeling up Daphne, like... <laughs> It's on screen in front of the mirror oh my god okay <laughs> and then shaggy yeah. it's too much it's too much yeah unlike mystery incorporated which is just enough i would say i highly recommend everyone watch it yeah but you forgot the best one of them all the 13 ghosts of scooby-doo no no a pup named scooby-doo oh yeah good one that was the best one that was a good really good because mm-hmm. they had a tree house and like uh the mystery thing was like a wagon 
stupid kid stuff. Oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> That's cute. Austin, were we... Okay, I don't remember, but I feel like we had this conversation about tree houses the other day. Weren't we talking about tree houses? Yeah, th- we do not live in a tree house friendly area. I have to uh, amend that because this is very shocking to me. Okay, I don't even know if you can really call this a tree house. Maybe it was more like a play set area. But I was actually walking in my neighborhood just the other day, and I happened to, like, look over into somebody's yard, which I never really do, but they had a treehouse adjacent structure in the backyard. And I was like, oh my god, a treehouse, sort of. Is it, like, one of those ones that you, like, buy at the store? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I need to go back over there and, like, peer into their yard some more to, like, see better, but... Get some photos. We'll post them on Twitter. Yeah. It didn't look (laughs) like it was... (laughs) It wasn't a freestanding structure. It, it looked like it was kind of up against a tree. So I was like, is that a treehouse? Am I wrong? I didn't know a single kid who had a treehouse growing up. Did you guys? No. My neighbor had one, but it was like part of like a swing set that they didn't they didn't include the swings with it. It just kind of like backed up into a tree. Like the tree helped support it, but the structure okay. of it, you know what I mean? Like the integrity was, it, it would have stood there without the tree. I don't count that as a real one. It was made of wood. The trees probably accepted it in the forest so so maybe this doesn't count as a tree house maybe it has to be one of those like shoddily constructed like up in the tree boards hanging off kind of like a tarp over it sort of situation do those exist listeners did you have a tree house let us know i'm not fascinated (laughs) what was that book about the tree house the magic tree house adventures or something yeah yeah the time machine good shit yeah those got pretty graphic too some points I remember they went to the burning of Alexandria library. Yeah. Oh my gosh. They were at the Civil War too. And uh, Jesus. They find out the drummer boy. They befriend a drummer boy, but he gets killed. Oh, oh my god, my I don't remember god, that. That's so tragic. I don't think he gets killed in the book, but I think they read about him later on. Oh, okay. And he's just like, you know, I don't know what's going on, but I just beat this drum and like he you know, this is unawareness. What's so funny is I remember losing interest in those because after a while they got to be like a little too mystical for their own good. They, <laughs> they were <did>. like <laughs> fighting dragons and like monsters and stuff. And I was like, okay, this isn't interesting anymore. It went from being like teaching you about history to being like just entertainment. Like they went to Narnia, but like. I got another one. Do you guys remember the boxcar children? Oh my God. I was literally just thinking that, Jacob. I think you and I had like a psychic connection. I, I was like, does it. anybody else want to live in a boxcar when you were a kid and like go on adventures in the woods? You want to talk about. A series that goes off the rails. Huh, pun intended. Hey, they go from, like, trying to survive to, like, saving the president. (laughs) And a boxcar. (laughs) I didn't remember them saving the president. That's funny. They go from being, like, boxcar children to, like, Rambo reincarnations at the end there. Really? (laughs) They go off the rails. I just remember in, like, elementary school, our teacher used to have, like, these structured reading times where we all had to, like, read a paragraph from the boxcar (laughs) children. We would, like, go around the room and we all had to read. And it was really embarrassing because you know how you get when everybody's staring at you and then your tongue feels like it's, like, five times too big for your mouth and then you can't read right? Did that happen to everybody else? Yeah, yeah. And, like, you couldn't read well and you'd miss... Like, you would mispronounce a word, and somebody would correct you, and you'd be yes. like, Yes! Turd. I know. Or they would, like, they would go, hee hee, they would snicker behind your back. Yeah, you try to sound it out, you'd be like, Procrast... Procrast... Procrastinate! I got it. <laughs> you keep reading. Oh, God, yeah. now I'm, I'm having anxiety sweats. I was the asshole kid who was <laughs> screaming oh, at you. Oh, it was you! <laughs> <laughs> you would be! <laughs> 
Probably, I'm sure. You gave some kid a complex for their life, Austin. I hope you're happy. Lord knows how many people I've sent to therapy. (laughs) (laughs) What's your body count? Eight Uh, people. Uh, I got stories. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to be better. We all all are. That's all you can do. Mm -hmm. Ooh, okay. I'll say that. That's one thing I'm trying to get better about. Saying offensive words. Because, like, Alex was talking about whose line is it anyway. And, like, shit from the 2000s is homophobic and queerphobic as shit. Oh, I couldn't believe how many. I to- I was telling Austin, I was like, the amount of gay jokes, LGBTQ, like, they just, it's all, all the time. And it's like, I know at the time that was, like, the funny thing, I suppose. But it was very trendy. Uh, yeah, and also apparently. it caused a lot of people to have very negative things happen in their lives. It's part of a larger culture. The amount of times they're like trying to like, well, they, they kiss each other on the show, that they make those jokes on the show. I was like, I just couldn't believe it. It's very different. And it kind of kicked off a conversation between the two of us. It was like, we should be more mindful of the things that just slip out in everyday life, like certain words or whatever. I'm trying to avoid using the words we like stupid idiot. I know moron has a racist history. I know that for sure. Like all those kind of stuff. I'm trying to get away from it. It may take a while, but I'm trying. So we just need to scrap the dictionary and restart. That's the problem with the English language is we don't have good insulting words that aren't like actually bad offensive in some way. That's the point of them, though. You know, I know. But that that's the problem. Every insulting word, like even if you made one up, you know, it'd be tied to something. See, this is why I like the word fuck so much. Fuck. <laughs> Is a strong word, but not really, because it's not actually, it has no real negative connotation. It actually does. Well, what does it mean? It, uh, it's offensive to sex workers. Oh, God damn it! Yeah, it was under the consent of the king. If you were approved for, like, sex work or something like that, you know, it's, it's mainly offensive to, like, it means what it means. Like, when we say it, it's, like, towards prostitutes, and a teacher told us that. And I was in, uh, like, high school. It's just, but it's too good of a word. You can use it in any context, any situation. It's a verb, <laughs> it's, it's a noun, it's an adjective, it's a... It means everything. Yeah, it's just one of those filler words. It's new, it's a sentence enhancer. We just need uh, dolphin noises to come out every time we try to cuss, or animal noises. That would solve all the problems. <laughs> There'd be no issues ever. All right, so what have we done? We talked about Who's Line, out Scooby-Doo, Boxcar Children. Uh, check out how's your week. <laughs> I'll start off with the media. What I've been soaking in as a sponge is, um, like, Alex, you've you've uh, uh, inspired me to listen to, like, these murder mystery podcast things, because I heard you mention them before. Murder porn? Yeah, I was sick of listening to, like, I needed a story. Uh, I've listened to Root of Evil. Have you heard of that oh, one? Oh, I've heard. Wait, remind me of the premise, because I probably have watched it. It's about the Black Dahlia and, like, the oh. guy who... They couldn't, they never proved it, but the guy who probably killed her and how just messed up he was and how messed up he made this family. And they kind of go through and they kind of put the pieces together of why they think he murdered her. It's really dark. Like, this is an E for Explicit podcast. If there was one above E, it would be that one. The stuff they talk about, it's just, ugh, man. And then now I'm listening to one called Bear Brook, which is about the chameleon serial killer in New Hampshire. I've not heard of that. Yeah, it's pretty random. He used to just dump dead bodies in this national park, but there was only one police officer ever on duty, and it's like 20 square miles, so they wouldn't ever find him until way later. But I just started that one, so I'm going back to like old school. We're like used to listen to the radio <laughs> for entertainment. You uh-huh. didn't watch anything. Just like ours. Yeah, Our just like ours. Podcast. Yeah. Where we describe things the best we can. Should we do that at some point? Should we become a true crime <laughs> podcast and be like, 
Misty was a beautiful redhead girl who lit up the room when she walked in. And then they found her body in the safari zone. Do all podcasts eventually devolve into murder mystery podcasts? We'll find out. Well, that actually transitions me into my next thing I did yesterday. Because I went four-wheeling in like the very deep woods. Where? Very deep woods. (laughs) Yeah, and like you won't believe like what we found. Body. No. I was going towards that. We didn't. Yeah, I went four-wheeling yesterday in the backwoods. I got back to my country roots. Oh, my God. You tell you what? The amount of daddy, daddy long legs Ew. I had on me. It was just Stop! incredible. Stop! Ew, and, on you. Oh, and my God. And the ticks, too. I'd rather have that than, like, a brown recluse or a black Yeah, yeah. Those or... don't hurt you, I don't think. Like, the granddaddy long legs, they don't do anything to oh, you. Oh, yeah. I thought you no. meant recluse. Ticks. I was like, yeah, they fucking do. Jacob, oh, my God. <laughs> Lyme disease is, is horrible. We're okay. That was really fun. Get out in nature. That was about it. Went back to our country roads. We listened to John Denver Country Roads the whole time, ah. of course. Had that blasting off the ATV. Should have done Little Nas X. <laughs> yes. That involves the city, though. We didn't get into the city part of it. You oh, know? okay. We didn't take our, our vehicles into the ho- our horses into the city to race. Uh, we did race out there, though, to see like what was faster, the ATV and the or the four-wheeler. And that really turned into a duel, kind of like our first Pokemon episode for the day. Totodile Duel! And the other episode we're talking about today is hot matches, because it was hot yesterday, too, while we're outside. So it all comes full circle. So I guess we can get on with the main reason we record, even though it doesn't really feel like that lately, uh, is the Pokemon episodes. <laughs> this has turned into more of a nostalgia cast, right? It's always been a nostalgia cast. <laughs> Jacob, when you weren't recording with us last week, we skipped over week talk. We were done like two minutes. We were like, we don't need to talk for 30 minutes about nothing. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm good with whatever. We can do that too if we want to. No, no, no. It's fine. It's just, I just thought it was funny. All right. Austin, 30 second summary challenge. Me, Total Duel. Alex, hot matches. All right, Austin, are you ready? Always. Let me get to a round and I'm always ready. I like it. Already in five, four, three, two, one, go. A very lonely but happy Totodile finds the twerps and decides to battle them. And so both Misty and Ash try to catch it, even though I think Misty should have caught it. Um, and they throw their lure balls, and they don't know which lure ball is the Totodile. So they have a battle, Ash versus Misty. And Misty kind of loses pathetically, but her polywag evolves into a polywhirl. She's happy that she got a new Poliwhirl, now she got a new Totodile, and Totodile does some dancing. Time. Very good. I will say this episode does, when we get to a point, it does question Pokeball mechanics again. Yup. There's probably going to be a big discussion on that. That's probably going to take up the majority of what we oh, talk yeah. about this episode. Just <laughs> a little bit of a forewarning there. But Austin didn't cover this in his summary, but we do start this episode fishing. I don't know if we've ever seen the twerps fish before. Yeah, we have. We have. We have seen them fish before. As a big group like that? 
Yeah, I we have. Say we have. Yes. Okay. They're in no hurry to get anywhere, are they? No. I think we're fishing for food. Food? Oh, they're fishing to catch Pokemon. Catch Pokemon. Okay. They complain about their being hungry too. That's the reason why. But anyway, this is where Misty. They're not catching anything, of course, because they're not lo- using the right lures. And that's when Misty pulls out this like lure that's just like a wooden doll of her. And she says this is a new lore, but we've seen this before. I think we saw it in the Safari Zone episode. So was that the... Was that right? Was that the band episode that they had it? Yeah. Okay, so maybe that's the reason why they said it was new. This one had a cape. Did it have a cape before? I have no idea. A super misty. Yeah. I think the the misty lore looks different every time we see it, but I could be wrong. Maybe that's what she means. It's a new misty lore. Like, it's just like she changed something of it. Like, the color's different, more vibrant. I don't know enough to dispute it, so... How is she creating these? What materials is she using? It's wooden, I assume. I mean, we know from the last episode that at least one of them, Brock, has whittling talent. So maybe... Yes, he does. He makes the lures and maybe he taught her how? I I don't know. Or no, did she already have the lure from the time before she met... Maybe Misty taught Brock. Yes. I like that better. Jacob, you missed some heated discussion about us talking shit about Brock and his... Wooden sausage bullshit nonsensical plans <laughs> wooden sausage that's not a euphemism is he gonna make him that's... eat wood yes so they were starving enough that he was gonna carve wood to make it look like sausage and just have him eat it we're gonna have to go back to episode 94 find out more about that give us more downloads Alrighty. okay you have my curiosity anyway this lore <laughs> this lore works because misty gets a bite and she's yanking on it for I don't know, about a couple minutes, and she has, unfortunately, she has like an Animal Crossing moment where you think you got a huge fish, and it just turns out to be a boot. But in this case, it is a, it's an old kettle. It's an old, rusty-looking kettle. Not really sure how that got there, but for some reason, Brock also says he wants to use it because he's sick of making tea. He wants, or he's sick of coffee, and he wants tea. I know how it got there. How did it get there? It's from all those damn people polluting up the river in Quagsire Town, throwing their garbage <laughs> down the river. That's true, yeah. That still that still isn't as bad as where we went with the muck and how they were just throwing the sludge in the water and just letting it run off. They didn't care about it at all. Oh, in uh, City. Grinchy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That one was pretty gross. Good memory, Austin. Uh, but I don't know. I'm like a, I'm more of a coffee guy, too, so I can see the point there. But this is where we meet our main Pokemon for the episode. And the best starter of the Johto region. He's very charismatic in this episode. When they pull him out of the water after the second bite, he's very energetic, is what I would say. He's like, I try to compare him to like a cartoon character from like uh, Looney Tunes. He's kind of like the, what's, Wildly Coyotes, who's he trying to catch? Are you thinking of Woody Woodpecker? Woody Woodpecker's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, not a Looney Tune, but still. Yeah, something like that. Like, Woody Woodpeckers, that's perfect. That's a perfect comparison, because he's kind of... He even makes the noise. He sounds kind of similar to him, that, like, rah, noise. That Daffy Duck noise that Yeah, he yeah. All right, let's all try and do a Totodile voice. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> nope. Good try. <laughs> let's just leave it at that, Alex. That was good enough. <laughs> I don't even want to... I can, I can hear it in my head, but I don't think try I can it. vocalize try it. it. <laughs> Jacob, try it. Just try it. Oh my god, I can't even remember. <laughs> oh my god, I, I want my throat to make the noise, but I feel like I can't get it to do it. <laughs> that little. <laughs> no, I can't even. That, do no, it. that was that was not bad. <laughs> do it again. Do it again. That no. was actually pretty good. No, no, no. For that real, that was not bad. At all. I liked it. Do it anyway. Yeah. Oh my god. 
Okay. Um. <laughs> that's that's good. <laughs> oh, I sound like a like a gremlin. Oh God. All right. That was good. That was probably the closest to it. You know, this kind of thing makes me really have a newfound appreciation for voice actors. I was just about like, to say that. I was just I, about to say that. I wish I could do, like, the amount of the talent that goes into making some of these noises, I, I oh man. Hats off to you, Totodile voice actor, actress. Casey Rogers. Oh, well, that's good. Very impressive. I know Casey Rogers also did Wobble Fett. Oh, I can hear it. Yeah, that's the similar raspiness in the voice. Yeah. Yeah, that does make you respect them. Like, you used to think that would be the easy part of Pokemon, is just saying the Pokemon's <laughs> name. But then you Char- get into some Bander. of these. Char. <laughs> now that's an easy one. <laughs> well, they, that one's an easy one because we know the story. And it was just like, oh, hey, we need somebody to do that voiceover clip real quick. And then some random. Michael Hagany. Yeah, went in there and did it. Who has his own Pokemon podcast, by the way. Oh, okay, cool. Maybe we can collab with him. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. All right. Uh, yeah, so Totodile jumps out, and that was a good good uh, impersonations there. But this sparks a rivalry or a duel, which you get the episode from, of uh, Ash and Misty trying to catch it. Basically, Ash uses Pikachu to try to catch it. Misty tries to catch it with uh, like a fishing lure. Sorry, I have one observation. Did anybody else realize, maybe it was just my streaming, like where I was streaming it at, but the lip flaps, the lip flaps were way off this episode. Was that the case? Not for me. I was watching the DVD. It was fine. Okay. I didn't get too much. Huh. All right. Maybe that was, like I said, maybe it was the streaming platform I was listening to it on, but it was really weird and they the audio was off in some places. So I was like, is that an error? But apparently not. That's a streaming video error. Yeah. Apparently it was very distracting. Sometimes it does that to me too, where like it's delayed in some way where like the voices flap and then it comes in a little bit later. Yes. I can't handle that shit. I can't do it. I hate it. I hate it too. But that's it gives just, me the heebie-jeebies. I just gotta watch it because it's we gotta do this. So or you could <laughs> use the the official sources like Austin does. But that then would money. cost money. That's right. Mm-hmm. Get it off Hulu, right? Mm, uh, right. I think it's on Amazon, but you got to pay for it if I'm not mistaken. Well, that's not where I watched it, but anyway. Mm. Fuck Amazon. Okay. All right. I don't know who. Uh, I don't even know who owns it anymore. I know it comes on Disney or used to, but no, it doesn't. Now it doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> See, now it doesn't. See, there you go. Is it airing anywhere in the United States? Maybe like on Boomerang or some shit. I don't know. I don't know. No, it's not a boomerang. It's not old enough yet. It used to be. Oh, I stand corrected then. Uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what you get. Okay. <laughs> we watch it. <laughs> we watch it. Uh, like I said, this just sparks a duel between Ash and Misty, and uh, they can't catch it. I was on Misty's side. Yes. She was the one fishing. She fished up Totodile. She had just gone on and on about how she wanted a new water type Pokemon and how much it meant to her. Ash was fucking rude. He was a bad friend in this episode. Ash was complaining about the fishing and how boring it was, which, like, agreed, but still. Yeah, th- this is, like, a weird spin from, like, early Pokemon when it was, like, supporting catching Pokemon where they would help each other. We're competing against each other now. There's no longer that, like, support. It's more of, like, a greedy take on it. This reminded me of our early episodes where we would have this commentary on the gender roles and the dynamics between them and like how they treated each other. And I kind of got that vibe again because there was one part where they're having this like argument about who should catch it and Ash is extremely rude and I'm with you, Austin, on Misty's side 100%. And then they get into this whole argument, fight about it. Totodile runs off, 
But she then asks him for permission. She's like, Ash, can I please catch it? Will you please let me catch it? And I'm like, girl, why do you need his permission? You don't need his permission. And it just, it riled me up a little. And Ash was his little asshole self this episode, too. Yeah. He was straight back to season one. Yep. I don't think he even wants it until he realizes Misty wants it. That little kid, snobby kid thing. I wish he had just said, I want the total dial because I want the complete set of starters. Yeah. Would that have been better? I feel like the way he treated her still, like, he's already got two of the three. It would not have been better, but I think it would have been funny. The reasoning would have been better. Hmm. Anyway, they don't catch it. And a total escapes, and he just kind of swims downstream. Do we come across Team Rocket? And guess what? They're all hungry, as usual. All our characters are just hungry all the time. This is miserable to be trekking the woods and venturing like this. And they also mentioned, I think, Giovanni's cut them off, too. So their black card doesn't work anymore. <laughs> I miss that black card. That was so funny. Yeah. What are you going to do with Team Rocket if they can't afford, like, all their contraptions and all their little knickknacks? Remember the time Meowth was, like, hawking stuff on the street? <laughs> That's what they should and do. And Jesse and James were, like, we're working at, like, McDonald's or something. <laughs> That's what we need. We need them like doing just odd jobs the whole time instead of sitting there just starving. They're starving to death. Uh, Totodile sees them, and this is kind of like just Totodile's personality. He just kind of goes up to them and just starts dancing with them and starts just dancing around them, and he's just really kind of energetic and having fun with it. This is like the most relaxed Pokemon we've come across in a while. Like, it's just happy. It's content with its life. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, of all the starters, I think, or of the Johto starters, I should say, I think it has the best personality. Yeah, definitely. I think, like, you gotta, we'll classify them. Like, Chikorita's weird. Like, really obsessive. weird. Yeah, obsessive. Chikorita's really weird. Cyndaquil. Lethargic. It's lethargic, but it's kind of like the underdog story every time it battles, because it always gets beat pretty bad, and then it kind of comes from behind once it gets its flame started. And then out of left field comes Totodile, and there's not really a story here. It's just happy-go-lucky. <laughs> Fun. Yeah, nothing's wrong with it. I mean, I like it. If they were all three like this, it'd probably be too much. But this is the best one. Yeah, it was refreshing for this episode to be about Ash and Misty and not about, like, we gotta save Totodile from whatever predicaments. And it was a bit different than the other two. I liked it. Yeah, this is actually, we're catching a Pokemon here. We're not, like, trying to make it love us by helping it. It already loves them. It, it like, sees them and it's like, I want to join people. Yeah. I'm, I'm alone. I want to go somewhere. Let's go. Yeah, all this pollution in the waters killed my family. I just want to go, you know, <laughs> join join the uh, the trainers here. Yeah, I get it. I get you, Totodile. See, the, Totodile is, like, he's still so innocent. Like, he even gets... um angry at team rocket a little bit they kind of snarl getting a little snarl here with uh totodile and it's just still laughy kind of go lucky and they keep messing with it wobofet comes out and tries to mess with it and totodile just says enough's enough and he water guns them off into an oblivion but he does it with like just this happy-go-lucky face you know it's just panache yeah that's a good way to describe it it's just i know there's not like a real serious moment there just like i'm sick of you so i'm gonna blast you off and so that's basically what's been just happening so far. But this is where things get a little dicey here. So Ash and, you know, the twerps, we're still looking for Totodile. And then we come across it again, of course, because it's, it's kind of following us, but it's staying just a little bit away. It's playing hard to catch. And then we get the idea to lose, use our lure balls that, uh, what's his name, gave us? Gus gave us. Uh, Kurt. Kurt. Yeah, Kurt. Gus. Yeah. 
<laughs> Gus or Kurt. Where did you get these names from? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to say a name to fill it because I'm not like I'm going to be sitting here like in silence, thinking of the name for five minutes. So I just throw a name out there, and as always, Austin corrects me. So it's Kurt, not mm-hmm. Gus. <laughs> yep, it's like we're reading the boxcar children, That's and right. I'm just I'm here to correct your grammar <laughs> next, or whatever. Next toad, I was going to save the president. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> to go back and do research on that because i feel like i need to know if they actually did save the president <laughs> i don't know they get pretty weird though that could be our first patreon episode we'll look up uh obscure boxcar children we'll, we'll read boxcar children episodes to you this has got me i'm just gonna weirdest boxcar oh god here we children. go oh we could do a dramatic but. reading like we did in my immortal except for boxcar children that would be fun Let's read boxcar children fan fiction oh jesus Oh god, I'm sure they all have, like have sex with each other. Ew. <laughs> oh stop. There's the boxcar children and the trouble on the Wild West Express. Ooh. Oh man. Oh, there's a lot of uh like weird ones. The Secret of Bigfoot Valley. <laughs> the Gathering I of the read Bones. That. <laughs> you, okay, are you trying to make a case against this cuz you're selling this to me. You're not discouraging me. Oh, I'm not I'm not trying to discourage anybody. I'm just saying it like we go from trying to survive to like saving the planet and killing vampires. It's just okay. you know what I mean, it just goes off the, like it really goes off the rails. It's like they just the first 3 sold so well and the, they're like just keep pumping them out. I don't think they're even the boxcar children after a while. I think they all just get replaced. They just it's just the title. Oh man, I love er- late 90s, early 2000s young adult like or kids books, just great. I'm thinking of Animorphs all of a sudden. Fucking oh, love Lord. it. Also not young adult. Uh, is it not? Don't they get kind of like kind of intense towards the end? Yeah, but it's not young adult. I don't know literature. Okay, maybe I was wrong to say that. Here I am to correct you once again. I'm that kid. I'm willing to admit if I've made a mistake. What is it? What genre or what audience? What animorphs? Children. Yeah. The, is that the target audience? Yeah. Okay. Oh my god. Okay. The boxcar children and the animorphs had a crossover book. Are you serious? No, I'm not serious. No, they did oh. not. No. Oh. oh, Jacob. Austin was so excited. Did you see that? He like that jumped so... out of his chair. That was awesome. I would have loved that. Holy shit. I oh, I almost believed you for half a second. <laughs> that's what that's what we need. The story we never got. Throw a little magic tree house in there. We're good. Mm-hmm. For the record, the first boxcar children book came out in 1924. Oh my! What I say? Late '90s, early 2000s? No, but they had a revival at various points, including the '90s. Oh, okay, okay. That's, okay. I think that's what we're talking that's about. What okay. we're talking that's what we've got to be talking about. Oh, it's still going to this day. Okay. That's when Van Helsing and like saving the Van president Helsing. and Bigfoot yeah. come into that's, play. Okay. That's, yeah, yeah. And the animorphs. Mm-hmm. Oh, isn't Van Helsing? There's a Scooby Doo with Van Helsing in it. I'm pretty sure. I'm sure there is. Yeah. All right. Anyway, we we've derailed. All those stories are very luring to people, and that reminds me of the uh, lure ball. Okay, this is where we talk about Pokemon mechanics here. Okay, yes, so yes, Ash we do. and Misty come across Totodile. They remember their lure balls they got from uh, Kurt, aka Gus. They throw them <laughs> into the the grass. Like I don't even know how they. This is like a perfect throw. They don't even see Totodile. They just throw it in the grass, and then they catch them, but they don't know whose ball caught them. It was like kind of hidden. We don't know how you get ownership of a Pokemon because this after this they have to like duel. Yes, Alex. One observation because Pokeball mechanics. Hoo-hoo. Misty says, okay, I, and then I was thinking of you guys in the episode, the Apricorn Ball disaster episode that we had. 
and we we were reading about the game mechanics and all that. So Misty pops out and she's like, here's my lure ball and I'm going to use this. It's my big idea. And she's like, Kurt says it's the best way to catch water Pokemon, but they aren't fishing. They are not fishing. So wouldn't that mean that the lure ball is just as effective as a regular Pokeball in this situation. I'd like to think that the Lure Ball was like, okay, they caught Totodile <laughs> fishing, so I'll be more effective now. But when Totodile later appears to them without them having fished it out, it's like, okay, now I'm not going to be more effective because y'all fucked up your chance the first time. Right? The Lure Ball knows. It has to be in water? It has to be... Fishing. Fishing, yes. Oh, so this is nonsense. Then this doesn't make sense at all. So the... Pokeball that Misty throws at first doesn't catch it. Or no, who caught, who throws it first? Was it Ash? Ash. But that was a regular Pokeball, wasn't it? Yes, and it doesn't okay. work. It pops out. But the second time when they use a lure ball, it catches it first throw. Yeah. And then they weren't fishing. Maybe it's weakened because it's like it used that big water gun to blast off Team Rocket. It danced for like 10 minutes. <laughs> Maybe it's just tired. Maybe that's the reason why. I don't know. And so to your point, Jacob, about it being caught in the bush and like nobody saw whose ball caught what, you know, whatever. Ash has a Pokedex. Obviously, it was ultimately his ball that caught it, but it doesn't register to the... Like, why is that not a feature? I mean, they do that in later episodes, though, with like go and they catch a Pokemon. It's like blah, blah, blah has been registered to your Pokedex. I thought also like to call the Pokemon out, you had to be the owner. So wouldn't they just like Ash grab it and be like, go Totodile. And if it doesn't come out, then it's Misty's. Isn't that a thing, too? Couldn't they just done that? I feel like all they have to do is like put their hands up and be like, I'm here, Lurball. And it would go to whoever <laughs> it belongs to. <laughs> That'd be cool, too. <laughs> But the interesting thing is there's no registration tied to it. There's nothing because, I mean, I know I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit. Sorry, Jacob. But Brock steps in. He's like, fuck this shit. You guys can't, you know, solve this in a in a mature way. So whoever wins this battle becomes the owner. It doesn't matter. Whoever's going to win this battle wins the ownership rights. I know who to blame. I know who to blame. And it's Gus. Because <laughs> his Pokeballs do not work like normal Pokeballs, ah. like the mass-produced ones. Oh, so this is the result of using a knockoff Pokeball. That's, pro- that's yes. the problem we talked about in uh, earlier in our podcast. If you use that knockoff garbage, yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't have all the features. That is a good... Okay, I'm going to choose to subscribe to that thinking because <laughs> it doesn't have the same digital fingerprint registration type of thing that a normal Pokeball would have. Yeah, it's sort of like your friends get like the Razor scooter with the sparker on the back and you can pop wheelies with it. And then you get a Freddy scooter and it's not as good and the wheels are made of like some kind of like cheap polyurethane that they crack every time you hit a pebble. <laughs> Do y'all have Razor scooters? Yes. I had a Freddy's. Razor brand? No. Yes. I had a cheap Freddy's scooter. It had a wider frame Aww. on the bottom of it like to help with balance, but it, it broke pretty quick. It was like it rusted. It wasn't stainless steel like a razor, so it would rust pretty easy. Those things would beat the shit out of your shin. Oh, man. It was horrible. Those didn't catch on for that long, really. They had one video game, and that was it. It wasn't like Tony Hawk skateboarding. All the cool kids with their razor (laughs) scooter. I had a red one. You had a red one? Oh, my God. I had a blue one. Yeah. Yeah. Blue, like Totodile. And who does Totodile belong to? We don't know. Like we just talked about, there's just no, who has ownership? We can't decide. So we got to battle it out. This is Ash versus Misty. How many times have they battled? Is this the first time since, I guess, the gym, since the Cerulean gym that we've really seen them battle or they've done it before? Who gets to keep Togepi? 
Oh, okay. Oh, okay. It was Psyduck versus Bulbasaur. And this was Ash versus Misty that time, too. This is like their thing, then. I guess they battle over Pokemon. I forgot about that. So the battle basically starts off with, of course, Ash sends out Pikachu. And Misty sends out a surprise contender here. This was so good. Togepi. And this isn't like... (laughs) This doesn't go the way you think it is. I mean, like, Togepi is a pretty powerful Pokemon. We know it has metronome and it does these crazy things. But this is just more of, like, Pikachu can't find himself in himself to hit Togepi. Like, it's too cute and it's too friendly. He just is like, I feel sad for this thing. I would crack its egg. I can't do this. This was a brilliant tactical move on Misty's part. I was so proud of her in that moment. I'm like, based on the way he was treating her, I'm like, you go, girl. She's like, I'm going to use Togepi because I know Pikachu will not hit Togepi. That was so fucking smart. It was. Psychological warfare going on there from Misty. It's a great tactic because it works. I mean, basically, (laughs) Togepi goes out there and Pikachu just gets off the battlefield and says, I can't. Also, the first time Misty has commanded Togepi to use an attack. Oh, yeah, Charm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Huh. And, it, and it does it, too. Yeah, Charm's Pikachu off the battlefield. Next, uh, we get Austin's favorite Pokemon, Staryu. <laughs> Is it my favorite Pokemon? <laughs> yeah, it's your favorite Pokemon. Staryu comes out to play. Star me. I made fun of Star me all the time. Nope, Staryu. Oh. That's what we're doing here. It's, this is your favorite and it battles are clingy Chikorita. I actually did not want her to use Staryu because I was like, this is Goldeen's time to shine. They're next to a river. Use Goldeen. But no. Nope. She could have had the advantage. She could have had Goldeen go in the river and do like sneak attacks and all kinds of stuff. That would have been an endless battle though because Goldeen goes in the water. Chikorita just stands on the shore. Scoop it out with Vine Whip and just beat the shit out of it on a rock. <laughs> throw it on. All I gotta do is throw it on land. Throw it on land and it just it's gonna suffocate. So there you go. Yeah, just do that. I can't remember who wins this one. I think Chikorita wins, right? Misty, that was such a poor showing for Staryu. I felt so bad for it. I feel like it has all this potential. Misty was just like use tackle attack. Oh dang, I lost. That's it. Yeah, and then but then um, Poliwag comes out from Misty's side and beats Chikorita. I guess or is it like a it's a one on one battle thing. So I think it's one on one. Yeah, they call back. Poliwag gets sent out and then Ash. Goes with another grass type against the water type. Bulbasaur comes out to play. And at first it kind of looks like Poliwag's doing its thing. Blasting Bulbasaur around. Kind of sticking it to it. But then Ash orders it to do Solar Beam. And this is... Bulbasaur has a lot of resolve here. Because it's getting whacked back and forth. And it's withstanding... Sorry, my phone went off there. Withstanding Poliwag's attack. But it's not enough. And Bulbasaur gets its solar beam off just in time to blast Poliwag and knock it out. You forgot a critical part. I was about to get there, but not without okay. <laughs> Poliwag evolving to Poliwhirl. He's here. Poliwhirl. He's here. Poliwhirl. I posted something in the chat. Yeah, I Super see it. Cute. Is that an actual cover from Time Magazine? Yes, the cover of Time Magazine with Poliwhirl front and center highlighted for all to see. Oh my God. Do you read the title here? For many kids, it's now an addiction. Cards, video games, toys, a new movie. Is it bad for them? Oh my, so, so fear-mongering <laughs> for no reason. But also the little upper corner insert thing says paying less for prescriptions. Yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lie. I want to talk about Polyworld. All right, bring it on. What about Polyworld? All right, I'm sending you a series of images, actually. Back in the day, back in the 90s, Clearly, Polyworld was considered to be an up-and-comer. Look at it. 
Oh my god, this is a Kellogg's Pokemon cereal. I love the way it's written, too. Like the holographic style. This is such a weird lineup of Pokemon on the cover here of the box. Right. It's Articuno. But that's an especially weird one. We have an Oddish. Hold on. Togepi. Ditto. Ditto. Articuno. Look, Articuno's kind of weird looking in this one. Yeah, what's going on with its beak? Yeah, and its eyes. Ugh. Limited edition. Oh, yeah, I oh remember those. I remember those. The kids WB, like, gold-plated things in the Pokeball. That was from Burger King, right? Yeah, Burger King, that's it. What is and this? Here's another ad, which is, like, introducing the content of Pokemon. There's a big lineup, Ollie World's included. This is just a big nostalgia blast here. Gotcha. Why, it's like a big net catching them. Gotcha. What is this for? That's like a magazine ad promoting the concept of Pokemon, that which is a brand new concept at the time. Oh, okay. Poliwhirl is very prominent in all these major scale promotions. Because clearly at the time, they considered Poliwhirl to be very marketable. It must have been like in all the style guides. Like Poliwhirl was a prominent player at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Which is so strange to me, because we don't think of Poliwhirl as, like, big-name Pokemon. But at the time, clearly they were trying to make it be so. But it's never really had a big appearance in the anime, you know? Not really. So it's funny that now, here we are, end of Season 3, and Poliwhirl joins the main cast. And I just, I don't know, I just find it amusing. Yeah, what's also weird about this gotcha ad, too, look at the three main starters from the original game. Look, Look what's unique about them. Oh, Charizard and Blastoise and Bulbasaur. Yeah, it's not Venusaur. It's they kept oh. the uh, the first evolution. That's weird. Interesting. Apparently, well, Ve- like conversely, Venusaur, I don't think was considered to be very marketable as opposed to well, you had red and blue versions, which in America and Venusaur that was the mascot for Green, but that never came over here in that sense, so it wasn't as marketable as those other two. I don't know. I just find Polyworld's forgotten legacy as promotional tool to be interesting. Sorry, it wasn't very good podcasting, but I just had to point it out. Oh, Polyworld is an interesting choice just because, like, design-wise, it doesn't fit in with, like, you know, the cliche of, like, Bulbasaur, Pikachu, Charmander, you know, that kind of... It's just a round thing with a big swirly mouth. But it's not really a mouth, is it? It's like a... Does Polyworld have a mouth? Oh, shit, does it? Because Polywag has the pink mouth. Does it shoot the water from, like, its colon area? Oh, my God. But that's what the black line is. It's shit. Well, that's supposed to be its intestine. Exactly. Oh, my God. I think it shoots the water from, like, the middle of its belly area. Does it? Or does it shoot it? Because the bubble, when she does bubble attack, bubble comes out of its hands. It's got gills somewhere, right? It's probably like, I a, guess, like, a, a, like a sponge. What do they call that? Filter feeding? Ew, there's a, okay, on, on Bulbapedia. <laughs> Bulbapedia. Oh, God. Oh, sorry. Here we go. Yep. <laughs> Here we go. There's a uh, photograph of the internal workings of a polyworld, part of its internal anatomy as seen in its conceptual art. It's on like one half of it. It's like skeletal. Okay. Does it say if it has a mouth? Polyrath has a mouth or does it or doesn't it? No. No. Uh, Polytoad has a mouth. Polyrath is just Polyworld Road Rage. Or, uh, uh, Roid Rage. Roid Rage. <laughs> Road Rage. <laughs> that could cause it, too. That could make it get up there. <laughs> it says, while it will leave the water to capture bug Pokemon, it will return and consume them underwater in safety. But how? Oh, my God. The mystery. It doesn't matter anyway, because Misty trades it the next episode. Oh, look. Oh, I'm sorry, Austin. To your point. Sorry, Jacob. Real quick. This. This logo. Oh, cute. Which Pokemon Center is that? Poliwhirl in the original Tokyo Pokemon Center logo. So why is Poliwhirl so prominent? Isn't that interesting? It's everywhere. 
Yeah. Squirtle's gone. It like took the place of Squirtle. Oh, it was replaced by Piplup in July 2007. Poor Poliwhirl. Yep. Never got to be a big star. They tried. Now they have, at the Tokyo one, they have the mega evolution of Charizard. Of course. Jacob's been there. Mm-hmm. I have pictures of it. Right, move on. Uh, cool for Poly World. Cool for Misty, but it's it doesn't matter because Ash has been the victor here and Totodile is now his Pokemon. I'm sorry. Can I just point out one other thing and then we can move on from this? I think it's bullshit. Bullshit. Misty did not have Poly World avoid. Solar Beam was like charging up. Could have easily Poly World jump out of the way or something. Anything. Do something. But she just has it stand there and get solar beamed right in the face she could have won she could have won she didn't win a single battle horrible no she won togepi well togepi and... i'm not including togepi because pikachu forfeited yeah that's horrible absolutely terrible showing like i said it's weird how this has come about like there probably was a different way to solve this but i don't know i guess it fits the title of the episode so good for them they battle and now ash has all three of the johto starters thanks to gus and his lore ball <laughs> thanks gus <laughs> All right, should we move on to our MV, or most valuable player, or least valuable player in our quote for this episode? Yes, this episode is very long. All righty, we'll come through it quick. All right, it's me followed by Alex and then Austin. Let me see here. My MVP, I'll give it a Totodile. I'm just going to be still the easy one here because an energetic, upbeat starter, that's cool. There's no nothing wrong with him. He's content with life. He's just out there having a good time. Good for you. Uh, my LVP, I'm going to give it to Woba Fett for just being kind of useless and getting blasted off pretty quickly. And then um, I can't remember my quote. It's from Brock, but someone help me out with the quote. I forgot it. Uh, are you, you I didn't got write it. it down. Let me, let me see what I got. Let me see what I got. I've got two. I got a Brock quote. Go for it. That's what it is. Yeah. Brock, when they catch the kettle, Brock goes, could you throw it back and try for a coffee maker? Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's it for me. Alex, take it away. Oh boy. All right. MVP... I am going to give it to Poliwhirl. Why not? Super cute. And the mystery of where's its mouth will probably keep me up at night. LVP, I am going to give it to... I'm going to give it to Misty because I think she could have done way better. I don't know what happened, but the fire was not there. You know, she was so gung-ho at the beginning. And then how do you just throw that match so easily? Oh my God, it was awful. Uh, my quote. There were some good ones this episode, but how about the part where Misty says, I wouldn't make any more predictions about winning if I were you, Ash. Don't forget, you're up against somebody who's practically a water Pokemon master. And Ash says, I'm up against a water Pokemon disaster. Oh, Ash. I will give Ash another quote where he's insulting her. They're talking about fishing. Misty says, I know it seems boring, but maybe for really quiet, maybe it'll only take another hour. And Nash says, as long as you're quiet, I don't care if we're here for another two hours. Oh. <laughs> Burn. Burn. My MVP will be Bulbasaur for surviving the onslaught of Poliwhirl's bubbles and being a boss. My LVP will be Pikachu for being in that no-win situation. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. And Austin's quote, that really was a burn. That reminds us of our next episode we got coming on here called... Hot matches. And we're not talking about like a Tinder. It's actual matches where people fight. We're not starting fires. We're fighting. We didn't start the fire. 
Send a quills, flames not starting, and the engines for okay. okay. We keep farting. Okay. Oh my god. Ready? Oh shit! I have to point out one thing out. Ooh, what? Team Rocket had rice balls, and Jesse referred to them as delicious but not nutritious snack treats. Snack treats. Yep, snack treat. They just can't bring themselves to say it, can they? Nope. At least it wasn't a jelly donut. Or an eclair. Oh yeah. Or a popcorn ball. Oh, popcorn ball. <laughs> All right, Austin. Three, two. One, go. The twerps go to seek out some Pokemon trainer who is training her Skarmory, and she only wants to fight fire-type Pokemon. So, of course, Vulpix loses miserably. Now it's time to fight Cyndaquil. Cyndaquil's still having problems getting it up. That's okay, because Ash is going to take Cyndaquil for a morning montage of running and training, and they actually do a lot better. Uh, and Cyndaquil cuffs it out and he can light his flame now and they beat Skarmory and Time. Nikki goes to okay where does she go Ooh, we'll find out we'll find out the Johto League oh my god spoiler alert alright no she doesn't we never see her again I was gonna ask that at the end but you answered that question for me we don't even have to worry about it alright alright you would think there would be a lot happening in this episode, but really not much happens in this episode, unfortunately. Something interesting. Okay, well, let's just start at the beginning. So the twerps, yes. <laughs> he disagrees. I think this is one of the most important episodes of the entire anime. Oh my god, all right. Yep, I got hot takes for hot matches. Ooh, all right. Well, you'll have more to say than I will, apparently. But first... We have to establish that we are somewhere at this random Pokemon Center somewhere along the way to Goldenrod, because we're not there yet. But they run into this kid who's carrying a Growlithe that's in bad shape. And the kid's like, oh no, there's this really strong trainer that's just hanging out up at the mountain. And I messed with her, and she killed my Growlithe, and you better watch out. But Ash very untactfully asks if that trainer would be up for another battle while this kid's poor Growlithe is dying in his arms. (laughs) Jeez. That's a really dark picture here, yeah. It was not Ash's most empathetic moment. How about that? When does he ever show empathy, though, or care about anyone else? Uh, that's a good question. Unless he has fame or glory to gain from it, he doesn't care. No, he, and he certainly doesn't care about this random kid because he's like, enough about you and your dying uh, dog Pokemon. I need to know where this really strong trainer is so I can go and battle and do better than you because you're just a pathetic kid, kid. And so that kid's like, all right, well, don't say I didn't warn you. She's hanging up by this uh, mountain area. So where do they go? Well, they go to the mountain area. They come across this girl who's just standing there. And I think she forgot that she was in the anime and not the game because she was just standing there. Exclamation point appears above her head. <laughs> she was soaking in what she just did to that Growlithe. She's like, oh, God, Lee, yeah. I know, reveling in the destruction and death. Fur's all mangled and it's bald in spots. And this is awful. Oh, there's she's staring at the blood-stained patch of grass on the ground that is reminders of her victory. But no, she's standing there just waiting for people to come by because she's basically guarding this the only rope bridge for miles around. Melanie. Melanie. <laughs> Who's the other one that we just had? The crazy girl. Uh, the Whooper Alicia. Girl. Yeah. Whooper girl. They're all in together, <laughs> I forgot I guess. about her already. Whooper girl. Whooper girl with her whooper preschool. What if Hardy the whooper just appeared and started, like, <laughs> pushing them off the, the ledge? Eating the remains of the dead Pokemon. <laughs> they come back and he's just eating the Growlithe and the kid's just sitting there crying. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hardy's sitting there just like... 
but yeah, our, our, our soup du jour of the day is this girl. Her name is Mickey. Hey, Mickey, you're so fun. You're so fun. You make me my, or whatever. Hey, Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Brock is like, hey there, beautiful lady. Have you seen this? Hey, Mickey. Yes. Hey, Mickey. <laughs> Have you seen this terrifying trainer that's killing everybody's Pokemon? And she's like, oh, ho, ho, but do I? It's me. Ha, ha. And so she challenges him to a battle, which fortunately, or unfortunately, she only wants to battle against people. Well, she's battled all the other types, all the other types with her Pokemon. And now she is moved on to the final challenge, which is fire type Pokemon. Fun fact, this is the first time we hear the word steel type in the anime. We have seen steel types. We have seen Magnemite and we have seen Scizor. But they don't necessarily explicitly call them steel types. You forget to mention the part where Mickey steals Brock's heart. Ah, yeah. she may have stolen his heart, but uh, she's no, literally, not... she steals his heart. Like it. I'm kidding. Oh, she Whoa. reaches into his chest and rips it right out. <laughs> so we first like meet Polly her. Ma. Brock goes up and says, "Hey, are you the trainer?" Then even finish the sentence. <laughs> oh my gosh! Right in the chest. Okay. So she challenges Brock. Fortunately, he has a fire-type Pokemon in which to battle her with. But predictably, Vulpix is no match for this Skarmory because Vulpix doesn't really have any fighting experience at all. I don't even remember the last time we saw it. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's like a fashion Pokemon. Yeah, it's, it's just designed to, like, test yeah. Kibble out on. That's all it's there for. If y'all like Vulpix, you better appreciate it while it's here. Yeah. That's all right. Vulpix sadly loses to this scary bird thing. She's like, okay, well, does anybody else have any fire-type Pokemon that we can, you know, win against? And Ash is like, ooh, pick me. I have one. Cyndaquil comes out, and like Austin said, Cyndaquil has trouble getting it up. He can't get it going. Fire won't come out of its back. And Ash, I thought we were going to have a Ty and Agumon moment where Ash is like, <laughs> Cyndaquil, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? Get up. Ah. Is it going to evolve into Skullquil Lava? That would be amazing. Warp Digivolve to Hisuian Typhlosion. Ooh, we have a stoner. You're talking about, <laughs> you're talking about Digimon. Okay. Talk about Skullgreymon. Yes, oh. Okay, is that like a trend thing in the or like 90s, like early 2000s, where it's like, oh, the main boy with the fire adjacent element Pokemon creature, and I gotta just yell at it. Like, I don't... But it's trying its best, but it's getting its ass beat. And before Skarmory can eviscerate it with the steel wing, Team Rocket flies in and interrupts. I think that's what happened, right? Yeah, black card's working again. They outfitted their balloon with some claw machine grabby things and scoop up Skarmory and Cyndaquil in a cage. Skarmory manages to escape very easily, though, and pops a hole in the balloon, but Cyndaquil, they just leave it to fly away. That was so bullshit. Ash was <laughs> running after the balloon and the others just, like, stayed there. <laughs> and they stayed there for hours because... Hours later! He is running after the balloon Nobody's making any sort of attempt to help. It's daytime, you know, as evidenced by the blue sky. And then cut to later, hours later, he's still running, <sighs> noticeably tired. You get the lonely ah, call, you know, how they have an anime with the bird in the background. And then the sky is orange. So, you know, it's been hours and nobody's helped him. Nobody's <laughs> run after him. Nothing and Team Rocket's like, damn, he's persistent. Like, he hasn't, like, died of, like, exhaustion yet. He just won't stop. They're halfway to Kanto by now. Right? <laughs> this proves what I said earlier, but him only caring about fame and glory. 
Maybe he does have like a softer side, I guess, because I give it to him here. He did actually put a hot pursuit on. I mean, yeah, point for effort and persistence, I suppose. But eventually, I guess Mickey, whatever her name is, decides, okay, well, this is taking too long. So she sends Skarmory after the balloon like she could have done hours ago. And it easily pops the balloon again and we get Cyndaquil back. I think meanwhile, back at like their cabin area... They're eating dinner, and so they ask her, like, oh, what is your methods? Like, do you have any, like, secret training methods for Skarmory? Because, like, I think we need to do a little training, too. She tells Ash, well, all I do is just train alongside the Pokemon, which I feel like we've gotten plenty of examples of this before. Oh, yeah. Such as? AJ. Okay. There's him. Well, he was whipping them and yelling at them. That's true. He's training with them. He's lifting, too. God, who else was it? Uh, who's like, like the really, ja- the really jacked elite Bruno. four? Bruno. Remember, he's like punching rocks with his Pokemon. I feel like we've had the this like lesson before, where it's like to truly understand your Pokemon, you have to suffer the same thing as they do. You know, whatever. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we actually just had an episode, not like recently, but there's an episode that is the same thing where Ash trains with his Pokemon. This isn't a novel concept, um, but Ash has amnesia, selective amnesia, so I'm not surprised he forgot. So he decides to emulate this and get up really super early at the butt crack of dawn and start training with Cyndaquil. All right, this is what I was talking about earlier. Oh, yeah, you had big thoughts. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck y'all are talking about. Oh. You cannot remember a single episode for this one where Ash specifically devotes time and energy to actually training a Pokemon. Are we sure? Or maybe I'm conflating like later episodes, the timeline. I don't know. Maybe you're right. I can think of him like staying up all night to rub Char- Charizard with the blanket and whatever. Or like saving Squirtle from bombs or whatever. But I cannot think of an example before this episode of Ash has a Pokemon. That Pokemon has some sort of, you know, issue or has some sort of problem in which it needs to get better in order to be better at battle prowess. Ash uses various different strategies and tries to fix the problem and work with it as a coach to better its abilities. Maybe you're right. Can you think of that ever happening before? Maybe I'm thinking of later episodes and I'm messing up the sequence of events. I googled one and there's one episode where he's doing push-ups with Pikachu to get him stronger. Is that when he learns Iron Tail? I have no idea. He has like a rock. Yeah, it's Iron Tail. He has a rock on his tail. Yep. Was that after this? That's Advanced Generation. Oh. Oh. Okay, so. Listeners, please let me know if I'm forgetting something. I'm going to earmark this episode as the episode where the anime has a distinctive shift into a show about adventures, but also training Pokemon and what Pokemon training actually is and what it entails. Okay, well, I may stand corrected. And I kind of view this as like the prototype episode for years and years and years of actual Pokemon training to come. That must be what I'm thinking. Maybe I am just thinking, oh, this was the catalyst and all the other times that he's trained his Pokemon like this was because of this episode. Okay, Austin. All right. Well, in that case, that makes this very different. Very interesting. So yeah, he actually dedicates his time all morning long. Uh, Apparently, it only takes a couple hours to unravel years of trauma and self-esteem issues, I guess, from Cyndaquil. Because after a few hours, he seems to really get in the groove and Cyndaquil seems to be managing it and getting the hang of this. So they decide to take a break, pick some apples from a tree, and of course, predictably, 
we have disturbed a local bee drill nest, and so Cyndaquil has to flamethrower them in order not to get impaled by the bee drills. Ash returns to the cabin and challenges Mickey to a rematch, and this whole battle sequence was kind of drawn out. <laughs> it's easy to say yeah yes they were filling up time that they had left yeah i think we this is what probably about 18 minutes so we have a few minutes to like kill before we end the episode so yeah we got a long drawn out battle sequence which i can't really describe very well steel wing syndical takes a steel wing oh no oh syndical dodge it oh agility oh god you know fury attack okay ah and then Cyndaquil manages to take two steel wings, which apparently is a big deal. And this Skarmory ends up taking like 500 flamethrowers and lives. This thing was a beast. I don't understand. It's still weak against fire, this generation? Okay. Cyndaquil is like covered in dirt patches and is like dying on the floor. And Ash is like, get up, Cyndaquil. Can you keep going? Ah, he doesn't have... I don't know. Maybe this was one of those times where he should have been like, "Mm, I think we need to call it here because you're like dying. He should have thrown in the towel. Yeah, he wasn't being a very good trainer. But like you said, Jacob, he's all about winning and pushing his Pokemon to the absolute edge. Cyndaquil gets his second wind at some point and manages to ultimately become victorious. And Mickey declares that she's just got to get better and that she can't just stand here by this bridge for the rest of her life <laughs> like some NPC. She's got to do something with her life. And so she's like, I think I'm going to take the gym challenge too. And maybe, just maybe or not, we'll meet in the Johto League. She then immediately falls off a cliff and dies. Yeah. Because we never see her again. (laughs) I was going to say, yeah, Austin, I was going to ask that at the end and be like, does she appear as even just like a cameo or something later on in the Johto League? Because I didn't remember. To answer your question, listeners and mine, no, we never see her again. So Carmory turns on her when she tries to cross the bridge and just cuts it. (laughs) I'm telling you, it was Melanie. She cut that damn bridge. I think Jacob's right. All right, there's a huge ass bug on my wall. I gotta kill. Be beer back. What is it? Is it a roach? Continue on without me. I don't know. Anyway, MVP, LVP quotes. Alrighty. Oh crap! It's Austin's first, (laughs) followed by me (laughs) and then you. He doesn't have to know. Okay. Alex, you go ahead and go. Alex would do the... I'll go... Then I'll go second. All right. MVP, uh, I'm going to give it to... Oh, God. Austin, he's... What is he doing? He's using his bare hand. Ew, that's disgusting. Now he's eating the roach? What's he doing? (laughs) Oh, my God. That's disgusting. He's letting it crawl all over him. Okay, so he bit the head off, and then he's feeding the legs to his dog popcorn? All right, continue. (laughs) This is... I don't want to know. All right, Oh my god, poor Austin. He's gonna listen to this playback and be like, what the fuck? Alright, Austin, you are Austin, you're first for the MVP LVP. My MVP will be controversial because I'm gonna pick Ash. Mm. That's not bad for this episode. I thought this was a big turning point. I could very well be wrong. Mm. I'm always wrong. Uh LVP will be Mickey. They're not coming back after this episode. Good for her. She got out of this. (laughs) She got out of it. She got out. (laughs) Quote. Rock says, I wonder what type of Pokemon this trainer uses. That kid didn't say. And Misty says, maybe a grass type or water type or even a fire type. And I'm like, wow, Misty, let's just name all the types. This is a good use of our time. Maybe it's a poison type or a psychic type or a flying type or a normal type or a ground type. Like, Misty, <laughs> inane dialogue is this. They should have let, let her keep going. They should just let her go. Uh, that's it. Do you have a quote or did you already do it? That, that was that my was quote. Oh, sorry. <laughs> There's a bug on my wall. I'm delusional. Let me see. Okay, so I'm next. My MVP 
I'll give it to Melanie for making it to where oh God. her traps that make this Mickey girl never come back. Good for you, Melanie. Uh, my LVP, I'm going to give it to that kid and his Growlithe because that thing's just mangled up and, you know, we don't know what happens there, but it's not, not looking good. And my quote goes to Brock and when, they, when they're climbing up the mountain and he sees Mickey, he goes, I climbed this mountain just to see the peak of perfection. Mm. MVP, I'm going to give it to Steel Types because why not? <laughs> just I, in general. Just in general. <laughs> love a good Steel Type. Pretty good examples of Steel Types include Magnemite, Steelix, Skarmory. Uh, I'm sure there's others, but I can't think of any. Yeah, so LVP. How about, wait, did anybody? Misty and Brock for leaving Ash. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm going to give it to them because they just let Ash run into the sunset for hours and hours and they didn't even help. They didn't even run after him. They were just like, okay, bye. Uh, Quote, I only have the one, but it's where they are eating dinner at the cabin area and Brock says, if you'd come along with us, I'd cook a romantic meal for two every night. And Misty says, big deal. On our budget, that'd be a double cheeseburger. Sounds fucking good right now, actually. I know, yeah, I could go for does. a nice Ooh. cheeseburger. All right, that's it. Uh, that's it. All right. Any more thoughts for this episode or episodes? Uh, no. Okay, before we mention the next ones, we want to bring this up. This is episode 95 of our podcast, and we are starting the countdown to 100. Woo! Let me see, 100 minus 95 is five episodes. So we're almost there. I don't know. Are we going to try to announce a new thing every countdown? <laughs> yes. Okay, we'll Exciting. try. We'll give it effort. But for our first, I guess, announcement, episode 101 has a special to kind of celebrate us reaching this peak. It's going to be another fan fiction episode. All right. With a twist. Ooh, Ooh. a twist. What's the twist? Jacob, it was your idea. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I, oh. Okay. Oh, yeah, what's the twist? We'll find out. We'll find out. Yeah. Oh, we can't spoil it. Okay. Yeah, to be determined. <laughs> it's probably... Everybody just got twisted there. Nobody knew what the twist was. It was such a twist, I didn't even know. Yeah, it's coming out of left field. Austin, what's on the menu, though, for next week? Love Totodile Style. Love, what? Love Totodile Style. So back-to-back. And Foul Play. Oh, foul no. Play. Okay. Don't tell me. What do you mean, oh, no? Is this, is, it, is there a character that's coming back? A shiny character, yes. Oh, well, who are you talking about? Oh, I was thinking it was a Casey episode. Oh, not yet, but soon. Oh, God. Okay, All that's right. it. All right, I'm going to close this out here. So we got that to look forward to next week. And as always, we like to say thank you all for listening and be sure to leave us a five-star rating. If you have any questions or comments for the show, be sure to send them to outofthedrawingpen at gmo.com. Again, that is outofthedrawingpen at gmo.com. And be sure to follow us on Twitter. Our handle is out of drawing pan. Again, our handle is out of drawing pan. And join us next time as this journey continues.